This is Drew Locke, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining us on the podcast today, a gentleman who you know very, very well. He's been a great friend of Roster Watch, a guy that's been coming up with us since we were all young pups here on the scene, and he's done a lot more with his opportunities, considering he now works for his, the works uh, in some ways for the for the Denver Broncos covering that team um he's the Broncos insider for KOA the flagship radio station there in Denver for the Broncos and also the game day reporter there for them his name is Ben Albright you know him on Twitter from all, from all the spats he gets into <laughs> and from the <laughs> And <laughs> from the and from the awesome wardrobe, if you're watching on YouTube, you see the incredible uh, pink pink uh, suit there, Ben. What the hell's going on, brother? Oh, hey, what's going on, man? I uh, I got to do some TV later, so uh, I had to do the suit, and they actually requested the pink one. So I was like, all right, well, we'll uh, we'll do that, and I'll be I'll be snazzy a little bit early for this show. Now is it now is it pink or do yeah. you call it something special? Like, I mean, it's like it's like pink. Like, I'm like not trying to hide from it. Or- yeah, I'm not trying to hide from that. It's a rosé. It's a, no, I'm not trying to hide from it, man. It's a, it's pink. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's always awesome to see you, brother, and we can't thank you enough for coming on. You can find Ben again on Twitter at Albright NFL. That's A L L Bright NFL. And just be like, I had some questions I want to ask you about the Broncos, but before I do, you know, I, I mentioned you were a game day reporter there for them it was i guess it was your first season last year doing the game day stuff how is that going to look this year have they told you what the media protocols are do you know if you i mean you're going to get to be kind of in the same areas that you were is it going to be kind of like you, you have a staging area elsewhere how's it going to look just just for the fans you know like what can what can we expect I would love to give you something specific, but I think the truth is nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. it's, it's, really, um, it's really up in the air. The general idea or consensus is, is that I'll, we'll be segregated from all that, whether that means I'm up in the booth or uh, in a spot on the sideline far away from everybody, which is weird. Um, but it's, you know, uh, it, it's definitely going to be different. Uh, won't be allowed up close in contact, no in-person interviews. Um, so what we're, I think we're going to do is set up a wireless headset so I can talk to them from, you know, an appropriate distance away, that kind of thing. So, um, it's definitely gonna be different. They don't have all the details nailed down yet, but that's kind of a general idea. Well, and it, it, it ties into some of this ties in sort of some of this stuff. It's going to be a different season. Um, clearly training camp. Is going to be different. Um, pre, no preseason games, and the, the Broncos just transitioning to the actual team. The Broncos they have a lot of really important rookies coming in. I wonder how the lack of um, preparation with the team is going to affect them. You know, coming into this year. So my, my question for you is: Whenever you look at a guy like Jerry Judy, obviously a super super exciting pick for those guys. 
I, I was just I was curious, you know, there's already sort of like an alpha wide receiver there in Cortland Sutton. But did you do you have a thought about which one you had ranked higher just as a pure prospect coming into the like coming into the NFL? Well, yeah. So I had Judy graded higher as a prospect. Um, I didn't expect Cortland to be as good as he was as quickly as he was. I mean, Cortland had all the tools in the world, but he was really, really raw um, when yeah. he got here. And he was also sitting behind Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders as the third wide receiver. Um, but he's just, he's got that mentality and you don't get that from tape. Like you can't tell on tape that he's just got that, that want to that, you know, that, that alpha dog in him. And, um, you know, once he got here, you could kind of start to see that work ethic come out. He actually got into a fight with Emmanuel Sanders, uh, in training camp last year. Uh, it was caught on video, um, because Emmanuel was loafing on a play and Cortland's like, you know, we're setting a bad example for the, for everybody else, you know? Um, and so, you know, they, they ended up devolving into a fight and, uh, um, you know, I'll say Cortland, you know, I, he really kind of came into his own last year, which was kind of interesting given the crap that he had thrown to him. Um, you know, Joe Flacco, the ghost of Joe Flacco out there and then Brandon Allen, um, you know, so that, that was, that was kind of interesting, I guess, to see him. And it'd be, it, I think a lot of people are more interested to see what he can do with competent quarterback play going forward. Yeah, and the, what I'll say about Cortland Sutton too is, I mean, you've obviously gotten a really, really close up look to him, uh, a really close up look at him during his first couple of years as a pro. But we even noticed it just at his at his pro day, the way that he just accepted because Jason Garrett was run, there running that pro day, and the way that he accepted coaching through the course of the day, how. There's just something when you go to enough of these things, you go enough to these workouts, you can see the guys that are really hungry for instruction, you know, and like he was getting better through the course of the day. He like he he was running better routes at the end of the day than he was running to start the day. And you just thought to yourself, man, if this guy gets some good instruction, he gets some time to develop. Uh, I feel like he's got a really good head on his shoulders. And so I do. I just I wonder whenever Jerry Judy comes in, you had him rated as a higher prospect. But Cortland Sutton has been been there he's been able to sort of do it at the nfl level i mean you, you still do you feel like Corlin sutton's going to be the alpha up here or does you, do, do you see any way that jerry judy can come in and come come in and sort of overtake sort of like the 1a role i not initially and i i can't see Cortland knowing him now i can't see him giving that role up um mm-hmm. you know he's just not that guy he'll outwork you uh, and that, that's kind of his thing. We had uh, we had him out. We do a Monday nights at Buffalo Wild Wings kind of thing with a Broncos player. We had him out there for that. And, you know, just being around that guy, I was like, man, I want to go be a receiver with this guy. He's, you know, he's just right. one of those guys that motivates, you know, let's get out there and work. Let's do it. Let's go. You know, let's go. And and um, so I, I can't see him seeding that role. I, I think, honestly, I think the Broncos are going to surprise people with the lineup that they roll out initially this year, because I think most people are expecting it to be Sutton, Judy and Hamler. And I don't think that's going to be the lineup they roll out with. I think the outside receivers are going to be Sutton and Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy will initially be in the slot. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he will they'll rotate Hamler, uh, Hamler through there. So I, I think Tim Patrick is the wide receiver. A lot of people are sleeping on with this Broncos team. I Judy will get plenty of targets, but I think the I think the two targeted guys that are going to be targeted the most are actually going to be Colton Sutton and Noah Fant. Uh, and then Patrick and Judy will mop up on the backside. So you, so you like Fant to take a, to take a second year step then? Yeah. Yeah. He was highly productive down the stretch last year, especially once Drew Locke got in there. Um, once, once that Cleveland game rolled around, that was where he kind of took off, took into his own and got some confidence. And, um, and then after that, he was just a different animal. Um, he still needs to learn to track the ball a little bit better in the air, but if you put the ball in his hands and let him create, he'll, he'll, he'll either run over you if you're a corner or run past you if you're a linebacker. And, um, you know, we saw a lot of that last year and then the Shermer offense, you know, they love that tight end screen. So I, he feels, he figures to be highly productive this year. 
That's just and when he you're right when he when he gets the ball and like the issue with him coming in was the drops. Did you? But when he gets the ball in his hands, dude, he like he showed us on a couple of those plays last year with the run after catch. He's big and he is fast. Like if you like if you were literally standing on the sideline and you had that guy just run into you, you know, coming as, as you were just standing there and not really prepared for it. Being a man that big and that fast, like that could literally kill you. He's 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 a he's a he's a truck, you know. But 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 he can move, and I I don't know if you know he had he had the he had the chemistry developing with Drew Locke last year. Do you think that the fact that they drafted Albert O, maybe he might have some built-in chemistry there with with Drew Locke from college? Do you think and 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 can you pronounce Al- Albert O's last name yet? Or are you yeah. still working on it? Albert Okuwebenam. That's okay. uh, we've been we've been working on that for a while. Um, <laughs> he had to he had to sit there with me for like twenty minutes while I butchered that. But uh, hopefully we don't have the out, <laughs> hopefully we don't have the outtakes from that. But uh, I don't I don't think Albert O is going to vulture in this year. I think long term he will, but I don't think he will this year. They they went out and they signed Nick Vanette and paid him a bunch of money. Uh, and I think I think tight end one and two are going to be um, uh, are going to be Noah Fant and Vanette who will be more the blocker. And then you'll have uh, Okuwebenam in in you know three tight end sets or or any two tight end sets where they're trying to stretch the field either horizontally or at the goal line. Um, you know he'll come in there and run that you know run those crossers with Fant you know and see which one of them gets open. But um, I, I don't think he's going. I don't think a lot of these. It's, it's interesting because everybody's excited about all the rookie skill position players that they have, but I don't think those guys are are necessarily in for huge productive years. If you're a if you're a dynasty fantasy football player, I would suggest big investment. But if you're a, if you're a one year player, I don't think this is the year for those guys. I think Hamler, Okwebin, on those guys, great long term futures, but I just don't feel like they're going to have a large impact this year. Is there any way for Judy to be viable, or do you, or, or yeah. do you put him in a different category than? No, he he will be. Um, it's just going to take him a little bit to get up to speed, and you know how it is with, with young wide receivers. Yeah. Typically, it's year two before they hit their stride. But uh, with Jerry Judy, I think he's something special because he's already got the route running down. Um, I, I think that looking at him and talking to people, his main thing that he's going to have to learn if the NFL is how to beat the press. He never had to deal with that Alabama because if you pressed a Bama receiver, there was going to be three other ones wide open streaking down the field. You just couldn't do it. Uh, So, you know, I I think that's going to be his problem. That's why I think what the Broncos are going to do this season is operate him out of the slot early on. Uh, That way he doesn't have to get pressed and he can get used to it. you got Tim Patrick and and Cortland who have big size on the outside, uh, and I think that's the direction they're going to go initially. Now, I think they'd like to have a lineup that has uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy on the outside with Hamler in the slot, but I think that's probably a year away. It's a little too much. Like it's, it's it's a little too much inexperience on the field at once, right? Especially when, but it, like that gets me a little bit pumped about a little more pumped than I even was about Judy to think that he's gonna, that he could be deployed pri- primarily out of the slot because he's because he will get open like on option routes. Like there, if there's one guy who's going to, it's going to be Jerry Judy out of, out of this class. And and the, you know the reason why you go draft these KJ Hamlers, the reason why you draft the Jerry Judy, the reason why you draft the Albertos, if you are John Elway, and that front office is clearly because you want to build around Drew Locke and give him every opportunity he can possibly have. What is what is your what is your level of confidence with Drew Locke coming into this second season with him? Just on a on on, on a one to ten scale, where are you? Because people are all over the board about this dude. People had diff, differing opinions of him coming in, and even after the year one, some people are like, "Well, he came in and kind of won some big games, or he at least kept him in some kept him in some games." got a lot more out of some of the surrounding cast than they would have expected. And some people were saying, well, look, if they give him another, you know, this year, people are going to have tape on him. Like what side of that do you fall on? 
Well, I was a big Drew Locke fan coming in. And so yeah, for me, yes, when the, you were. When the Broncos yes, drafted him. Before the Broncos even took him. Yeah. Yes, before the Broncos even took this him. guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, it was, you know, it was super exciting uh, from that regard. I, I'm not saying that there's a running bit on our show where we're building a golden statue of Drew Locke already outside the stadium that's half <laughs> man, half horse. I'm not saying that that's a thing, but it's kind of a thing. Um, we, we, no, I mean, I, I think this kid has all the talent in the world, but he's got it upstairs. That that's the main thing is, you know, he excites you and you want to go play for him first of all. But beyond that, I, we, we had a chance to talk to him at the senior bowl. I pulled him aside private about 10 minutes and sat down with him. And I was like, oh, it changed my opinion completely. Cause I was looking at the kid on tape and I'm like, man, you've got some mechanical issues. You know, your footwork is sloppy. Uh, you know, you get lazy and you drop your arm sock and you just try to sling it in there. That kind of stuff. We'll talk to him. And he's, so we put, pull up the tape. We're looking at this. And he's like, I, he's like, I totally do that. He's like, uh, He's like, but I knew I could get away with it here, blah, blah, blah. And but he's like, but I'm trying, I'm trying to work on muscle memory. So I don't do that. He's like, but in the time, you know, you're trying to win football games. And then he goes through a break in the play down and how he knew where the guys are going to be and everything else. This dude is an obsessive football learner. Reminds you of like Peyton Manning in that regard. And I hate to invoke that name, but it, it does. Right. It kind of reminds right. you that. And so, you know, I, I think he's got all the tools in the world. He's got it all upstairs. The question is, can he put it all together? Can Drew Locke and the guy that Drew Locke could be, can they meet? Because if they do, you're going to have a hell of a quarterback. And, you know, I thought he looked pretty good last year. Um, he got held back by his offensive coordinator quite a bit. Rich Gangarello, one of the most conservative offensive coordinators in the league, mm-hmm. which is kind of why he's not there anymore. Um, you know, it was great. Rich Gangarello was brilliant on the script. You go look at the Broncos last year. They were a top nine offense on the script and a bottom five offense off of it. And that's that's part of the problem is he tried to hold Drew Locke back. You go back and look at the first half, the Chargers game, uh, they blew the doors off him and then they just ran the ball and let the Chargers back in it. Um, you go back and look at the Texans game, blew the doors off in the first half. Then Scangarello scaled it back. And, they, you know, um, so, you know, I think outside of that Chiefs game, which was played in a blizzard, I, I thought he had a pretty good first five games. Um, we'll see if he's able to carry that forward, but I, I think he will. I, I am very high on him. The main thing he's got to do is clean up that footwork, though. He has some sloppy, sloppy feet, and uh, it, it does lead to some, some poor throws. Do you, do you think um, – did the – because you said you, you you told and I have no doubt that you said it to him exactly like that at the senior bowl. I've heard you interview these dudes, but like, it, did it did it get better? Did it get better this year? Like, like have you seen improvement? Is, is is there anything with the feet and with the way that the feet are connected to the arm within the motion that you saw at least improve a little bit last year to make you think that coming into this year there's there's room for more improvement or like this is a kid that, that can actually learn. Well, you definitely see it, especially at the beginning of the game where he's concentrated on that. The key mm-hmm. is having that whole game follow through. And you know how it is. You get tired. You know, you've been out there all day. Oh, yeah. The oxygen starts to flow a little bit. You, you fall back into those bad habits. And if you want to want to see the sloppy footwork, go look in the fourth quarter of every one of those games. Because at that point, he's back on muscle memory, not concentrating on keeping his feet where he should. And that's, that's what happens. So if you can put together complete games where he's, you know, he's remembering, hey, I got to do this. It starts with the feet. I got to get that down. Um, you know, then I, I think that that's that lends to he at least understands that there's a problem with making an effort. He's just got to remember to do that complete game and not just when he's got all the oxygen at the beginning. As you examine the roster and you look at the Denver Broncos, you think that this is a team that could have some sneaky pieces in place to be a to be a really good, you know, to be a really good running team. You know, it could, it could be a good, you know, very good defense. Um, I'd like to ask you about the offensive line who I'm kind of I don't know if I'm crazy, to, but 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 just as far as the as far as the running game. Um, is this going to be a running back by committee uh, after they brought in Phil, uh, after they brought in Melvin Gordon? Where does this leave Philip Lindsay? And I'm assuming that Royce Freeman is just dead to the Broncos at this point. I mean, is that is that 
Is that about right? I mean, and then how do you feel about Melvin Gordon? Clearly they're paying him a whole lot of money. Doesn't seem he's a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. He's done pretty well here in this AFC West. What, what do you think? Uh, how's that backfield split going to, going to look? I think it's probably going to be about a 60, 40 split in favor of Gordon. Um, 60, 40. Huh? Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a pretty, I think it's going to be a fairly even split. Um, I think that, uh, you know, if you go back and you remember the Texans when they had Arian Foster and Steve Slayton, uh, you kind of yeah. look at something similar to that. The reason that Melvin Gordon was brought in is because Royce Freeman was designed to be the situational football guy, the guy who could pick you up tough short yardage, goal line type stuff, and he was unable to do that. Royce had great hands on the backfield, but when it came to situational running, he just wasn't able to do it. Melvin Gordon, by the way, number two in the NFL in the last two years over those uh, in those situations, in third and two and less, or you know, goal goal to go type situations. Mm-hmm. And so the Broncos lost a lot of drives because they were unable to pick up those yards. You go back and look at third down situations is third and two and you look at the, the weird plays the Broncos were trying because they knew they couldn't get it with the run game uh, running tight end reverses Emmanuel Sanders on, a, on an end around <laughs> yeah they had this, the, the weirdest third down plays that you've ever seen just because they knew they couldn't get it with the running backs that's why they brought Gordon in. Gordon's never blown the doors off anybody with his per carry average but he's consistent and he'll get you yards you know and so that, that's kind of the reason that he's there I, I think what you're going to see is a situation where Melvin Gordon starts the game off he's there for situational football and then Phil Lindsay's probably going to be the main guy in the second, third quarter. You know, you'll start the game off with Gordon to get him that tired. You bring Lindsay in when they get a little gassed to come in and give you that extra six-man kind of burst of energy. Uh, and then in the fourth quarter, when you go back to salt it away, it's probably going to be Melvin Gordon. Now, in the past game, you'll probably see Lindsay motioned out, split out wide a little bit at times. Um, they'll move him all over. But, um, you know, in the end, I think you're going to see a pretty even split. And from what I understand, they've got a special package back there. It's a gun two-back set that features both of them. Uh, so they're they're excited to kind of roll that out as well. That's a bunch of really good inside info there. And the two things I think about when I think about it is like, geez, Royce Freeman turned out to be like the exact opposite of what they hoped. He get, A guy who could – I mean, it's like all of his skills are like the opposite of what they – wanted and all the shortcomings are like the opposite of what they figured they would be it's just it's crazy and and then the other thing is i think that if this is a 60 40 split melvin gordon could be being overdrafted in, in fantasy right now because people are not expecting it to be that big of a committee i think that a lot of people are saying man they're, they're not paying melvin gordon 8.5 million dollars per year to come in and uh to to come in and, and split carry so that'll be something to uh, keep an eye on for sure i mean if ben's saying that Philip Lindsay's a dude who's still in the plans. It's, I mean, that's, that's something I'm going to take to the bank for sure. Um, let's see. What about, I mentioned it earlier, the pieces coming together as far as the, as far as the defense and the offensive line, though, is the offensive line come? Because I look at it. I loved uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Cushenberry. I like, he was one of my favorite linemen that I even saw at the senior bowl. And you look at his tape and it's awesome. Um, I know Garrett Bull has Garrett Bull has been super bad or is he getting a little better? I'm interested to hear that. And then I've always loved Dal- Dal- Dalton Reisner. You, uh, the Broncos go out and they, and they steal Graham glass, Graham Glasgow. And then Juwan James was what was good. I mean, he was objectively good for, for, for a while, at least whenever he was a young player in, in Miami, or at least a guy who they figured had a whole lot of upside to me. When I look at those pieces, I'm like, well, if Garrett, Bowles can be anything like they thought he could be. Uh, I I kind of think the offensive line looks looks good. 
I mean, it looks better than than recent years. I mean, am I crazy or what? Like, what do you think about this the state of the offensive line? I I think you're dead on. Uh, the Broncos had uh, Cushenberry and the the kid out of Temple as one A one B on their centers. They just wanted to get one of the two of them. They knew they'd be happy the way they wound up with Cushenberry. Uh, Reisner's been a stud uh, at, at left guard, an absolute star. He's he's going to be a you know an eight time Pro Bowler if he can stay healthy. That kid is oh, good. Lo- um, you love to hear it. Yeah, and he's, he's hear it. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you a story about Dalton Reisner real quick. He's an awesome dude. Yeah, yeah that, that's and that's exactly what it is. I'll tell you a story about him real quick. We we're talking about the Buffalo Wild Wings thing. We had him out um, at Buffalo Wild Wings one night or whatever. And most of these guys, they have an hour appearance. They come out, collect their fee, answer questions, and they leave. Dalton Reisner, after he got done, stood up and took the time to go around the restaurant and shake the hand of every single person in that restaurant and thank them for coming out and seeing him. And I've never seen anything like that before. He's just, he's just one of those guys who gets it. You can see it. You yeah. can see it. I mean, that's just – yeah. Glasgow, uh, I think he's going to be a big improvement on Ron Leary. Leary was washed last year. It was it was sad to see. He just wasn't the same player as he used to be. Um, so I think Glasgow gives him, A, some versatility along the interior of that line, and B, uh, somebody who's reliable that they can go to at the right guard position. Um, the right tackle, Juwan James. You know, Miami, I talked to people when uh, when the Broncos signed him, and, and down in Miami they were like, well, it's an odd year, so he's probably not going to play this year. But when it's an even year, he'll show up, and he'll be very oh, good and give deal. you just enough hope. So, so 2020 is an even year. We're hoping he shows up this season and, uh, and decides he wants to play. If not, Elijah Wilkinson will be the the, the tackle over there, uh, and they like him a lot. He's kind of a, a swing tackle. And then uh, Garrett Bowles, you mentioned him. And it's, it's, it's interesting because Garrett, the light bulb finally came on, I think, for Garrett Bowles last year. He recognized he wasn't playing up to the level he needed to. He went outside the organization and hired a, a former offensive line coach to go over tape with him in after hours. And you saw the results of that over the final five games. Uh, he had three total penalties, two of which were actually, one was ticky-tacky, one was legit, and one was an unsportsmanlike where he decked somebody because um, mm-hmm. he let his attitude get the better of him. But yep. you know, I, he, he had no holding penalties over the final five games. Uh, I think he allowed one sack total over the final five games of the season when Drew Locke was in there. Um, and so the Broncos and Mike Munchak are really hoping that that Garrett Bowles that showed up over the final five games is going to be the Garrett Bowles this year. They declined the fifth-year option, but if he plays the way that he did at the end of last year, they will extend him. He, he's a he's a mean son of a bitch. And whenever you have a guy like, whenever you have a guy like Munchak who's – Arguably one of the best. I I kind of even forgot in my analysis that he's the offensive line coach. That makes me even a little bit more bullish on on what that on what that group that group can do. So something to keep is just something to keep in mind. A good a good defense, a defensive minded head coach, a good offensive line, a big stable of running backs, and the fact that probably the front office and the coaching staff would love to do anything that they can to help that their young quarterback succeed. And one of a quarterback, one of the young quarterbacks. Uh, best allies is a good solid running game. So just uh, putting things together that been saying it, um, maybe maybe a little bit bullish on that on on that run game. Just figuring out who's going to get the touches is, is going to be our issue. Let, ben, can we just look a little bit around the AFC West? I know that you're in addition to being a Broncos uh, guy, you're you're at all the offseason events. You're you're a draft analyst too, and so you you watch all these players come up. I, I just kind of like to get your thoughts on some of these guys. So let's talk about the just a few situations on the Raiders be, before I let you get out of here and get on to your other TV stuff. Um, what about Henry Ruggs? Did, does he become the instant wide receiver one for those guys? And, and what was your book on him coming out? I loved him. Uh, Henry Ruggs was bay for me. I was I was hoping he wind up with the Broncos, and I can tell oh, you I'm he would not have gotten past the Broncos if he'd gotten there. The Broncos expected the Raiders to take Judy, and they thought they were going to get Ruggs. 
uh, to be honest with you internally. So uh, it could have been a lot. It would have been interesting to see how that shook out. Had that gone in the down the line, how that would have affected things. But I'll say this, uh, Henry Ruggs probably going to play on a slot for the Raiders. Uh, John Gruden likes those big bodies on the outside. What he likes to do is he likes to run slants off the outside and then have that slot guy run vertical. Uh, If you remember back when, uh, uh, when he was with the Bucks, that was uh, you know that was Keyshawn, Keenan McCardell, and uh, and Clayton that they used to do. And Ruggs will take that Clayton role. If you want to go back further, when he was with the Raiders the first time, and you had Jerry Rice and Tim Brown on the outside, uh, and then you had Porter, Jerry Porter running the uh, running those slots. Think of think of Ruggs if in that role. Um, forget old eighty four Jerry Porter, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he was then nobody ever heard from him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. No, it was. I, I think that. Um, I think that's the role he's going to have right away. Now, whether you call that wide receiver one or whatever, uh, you know, I don't know. In terms of productivity, he's going to be a feast or famine guy. I think in his year one, you're going to see games where he puts up insane numbers, and then you're going to see games where he's just not there. It's, it's kind of like the Will Fuller thing, you know, where you have games where he just puts up 200 yards and two touchdowns, and you're like, thank God I had him. And then you come in the next week, and you've got 34 yards and no touchdowns, and you're like, what am I doing? And, uh, and so I think that's going to be the scenario with Ruggs early on is you're going to have situations like that where it's it's volatile. If you catch him on the right day, you're going to get big production. If you don't, uh, you're going to wind up slapping yourself saying, what was I thinking? He's going to be boom or bust Some with that speed. When it, when it goes boom, it could go boom. It could go boom big time. Hey, do you, do you, do you think that he's he's just as an aside – does the does everybody in the AFC West just kind of want their own Tyreek Hill? Yes. Maybe that's the, the rugs and the Hamler and just yes. If you've great. if you've played against if you got to play against Tyreek Hill twice a year, you understand the need to have a Tyreek Hill on your team. I, I can tell you, <laughs> like that, Tyreek Hill's fast, all right, but you can't truly appreciate his speed until you've been in the stadium with him, watching him boat race guys. Oh, like, sure. like the minute that you see him blowing by Olympic caliber athletes, like like they're standing still, <laughs> then you're like, I, this is just unfair. Like, what am, what am I supposed to do here? You know, I got a guy jamming him at the line. I got another guy shading him through the zone and I got a guy over the top and I still can't cover him. What, what about Josh Jacobs? Whenever you look at him, do you think he's even a special back? I mean, there, there, there are people on Twitter that show these clips of him and that say like, you know, you just look at him, look at what he's able to do. Um, you know, he's obviously a top five back in the league, et cetera, et cetera. And then, but then you have, you know, you have Mayock at the Mayock at the combine saying that they're planning on unleashing him this year in the passing game. He talked about it after the draft. One of the reasons that they really like him is a receiving option. Um, the way that he could be used as a three down back, but then, you know, they go and they draft Lynn Bowden Jr. And they say they're going to play him as a running back. They they Did they resign DeAndre Washington or Jalen Rashard? I forgot. Yeah. They resigned one of them and who was basically a pass catching specialist. It feels like they think that Josh Jacobs is still going to be a between the tackles grinder in, in year two. What, what do you what do you think about him? Do you think he's going to be a good pick for fantasy? And just overall, do you think he's the special back that everybody was hoping for whenever he came out? Uh, I think from a fantasy perspective, yes. I think from having him in a real world perspective, I'd be a little more leery of calling him a special back. Um, you know, John Gruden likes those guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. You go back and look at the backfields that he's had historically. Uh, he's had guys that can grind between the tackles, but they have to have the, the, the ability to catch outside. You look at the Raiders when he had uh, was it Garrison Hurst and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Garner. He had out sure. there for a while, uh, another guy who could do that. Then you go back over, look at the Bucks. They had Allstott. They had a work done. Michael Pittman, you know, guys that could, you know, could get out there and do those kinds of things. And so um, I think that, uh, you know, if you've got the ability to do both, you'll do well for Gruden. I, I think Jacobs is going to vulture a lot of touchdowns, specifically in the goal line area. 
Um, I, I th- he reminds me more of Marion Barber than anybody else. I mean, he's a guy that's aggressive. He'll seek contact out. He'll, he'll, you know, he'll put the strength on you. Doesn't have that third gear to get downfield, but he'll get he'll get larger runs than he should because he's breaking tackles. I don't know that I can call him a special back, but I think in terms of uh, if you if you look at him and think of it in terms of a four or five year career window, uh, he's going to be very viable as a fantasy running back. What about what about on the Chargers? How comfortable would you be? In, and I know that I'm asking you fantasy questions, but you know football and fan like do you, like do you, would you spend if like one of your first like your because right now if you want to take Austin Eckler, you're going to have to spend a late first round pick in a 12 team league or an early second round pick. Do you think that it's worth it for Austin Eckler? What is what do you kind of think about him in the in the Chargers running game com, coming into this year? So here's my Eckler strategy, all right? Uh, if you okay. can get him in the late first or early second, go ahead and snap him up because he's going to be highly productive early on. And running lanes are going to be there because the two quarterbacks they have are going to open running lanes. The guys that can move with their legs are going to open run lanes mm-hmm. for the running back, right? My plan with Eckler is to get to about week three or four and sell high. Uh, because like Eckler, Eckler like wears it. down over the course of a season. I, I saw him play out here. He plays college ball and high school ball out here in Colorado. I saw him play. He wears down over the course of a season, um, and, and he's, he's going to start off hot, and the production's just going to kind of slowly fall off after a while. So uh, if you've got the chance to get an Eckler and you can, you can ride him three or four weeks and, and get that production and then turn around and trade him for something you really need uh, and multiply your, your assets, I think if you're a fantasy player, it's probably the way to approach it. Oh, well, there you go. You get you get the fantasy analysis, the, the the deep, deep macro fantasy analysis here from from Ben Albright. Okay, and, and you you mentioned uh, the quarterbacks, Tyrod Taylor, of course, Justin Herbert. If I gave you an over under of nine point five games, do you think would you take the over or the under as far as the games it'll take for for Herbert to be out there on 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 the field for for the tie god? Normally, I would take the under in this particular instance. I would say that number is probably about right. Uh, whenever the Chargers are eliminated, that's when they'll start. Uh, that's when they'll start Herbert. The, the, the thing about Tyrod Taylor is Anthony Lynn's got a relationship with him dating back to when they were in Buffalo together, uh, and so I think that he's going to ride him a little bit longer than he probably normally would anyone else. Uh, Lynn's a very loyal guy, and so to a fault. And so I think that you, you know if you're a if you're a Herbert person, um, don't expect this year for him to go as start as early as you think he will, unless Tyrod gets hurt. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, last, last couple questions here before I let you get out of here, Ben, uh, let's go to the chiefs. What about Clyde Edwards? Elaire? people are super excited about him in fantasy drafts. He's going really just a little bit after Austin Eckler. Basically people are having to take him with their second pick in 12 team leagues, or maybe if they get lucky and they're targeting him, sometimes he'll fall to your third pick. Um, so a pretty big investment in a rookie there, especially in a truncated offseason, and especially whenever they have a guy like Damian Williams who was very good down this down the stretch last year. On the other hand, you know you have you know you you have uh, you have Andy Reid saying that this guy's you know this guy's a better version of Brian Westbrook and just all this crazy lip service. What do you make of the Clyde edwards Lair situation, and would you trust him in in in, in fantasy for such a high investment? Uh, if you're dynasty, you'll want to, you'll want, you'll definitely want to do that. Um, if you're in a single year to year league, uh, and it's PPR, uh, then I would, um, 
if it's not, then then that's a little bit different because they will rotate that backfield. Uh, Andy Reid does like to rotate the backfield. I will tell you something interesting. The Chiefs asked Hilaire to work out as a wide receiver for them when he came out, which to me, I think, asks uh, begs the, um, the the bit of information that they're going to move him around as a chess piece. Yeah. I don't think he's just going to be a running back for them. I think they'll split him out wide. I think they'll move him around quite a bit. You mentioned Westbrook, uh, and he had the ability to do those kinds of things. So uh, I, I think you're going to see something like that. I think you could see situations where you get both him and uh, and Damian on the field at the same time, and you'll see Damian, you know, be the more the running back, and Alaire operate as a is almost as a slot back, um, you know, in a lot of ways where you could put some jet option shovel pass type stuff in there. You can have him run a shallow drag and try to get him the ball. There's all kinds of different ways you can use him. So uh, I, I think you're going to see him used as more of a chess piece this year than a true running back over over the course of the entire year. Um, I think the opportunities will be there. It'll be up to him to convert them. Do you, do you think that and just one 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 more about the Chiefs? Um, a, the 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 big rookie last year was Miko Hardman, who it felt like when they drafted him, it felt like they drafted him at the time to be sort of Tyreek Hill insurance because everything was still up in the air then with him. Then you get Tyreek back. It feels like you know I've talked about it. It feels like McCole Hardman's a little bit redundant, but he did make some big plays last year. The only problem was you know no games with more than four targets. Uh, do you see his? Do you, do, you, do you see any way that his role could open up this year a, a little bit more? Do you think he's just going to sort of say stay that kind of specialized weapon and deep threat there for Andy Reid? Uh, I think it'll open up a little bit. I think he'll take over some of those uh, Demarcus Robinson plays uh, at times, um, and he'll spell Watkins a little bit as t- too. Although Watkins is really the put the ball in his hands and let him make a play receiver, whereas you know Hill's more the deep threat. Uh, I, I think you'll see more targets in that for Hardman this year. I think you just have to get a trust and a chemistry developed. It was tough because you know he was in there as insurance, and then Mahomes goes out, and they they just they're not on the same page as much as some of those other guys were that have more reps with Mahomes. So. I think as Mahomes builds trust in Hardman, I think his role will expand. Uh, plus, you know, putting him and Tyreek Hill on the field at the same time is so tough to defend. Uh, so I, I think they'll get that. I think they'll get some looks like that out there this year that uh, that'll be really interesting to see. I, I I don't know how you can I don't know how you can defend it. You can try. It's, it's pretty it's pretty hard. Hard, hard it's hard to match that. Uh, he's been Albright. You can find him on Twitter at Albright NFL A L L Bright NFL. He's the um, works at KOA radio, the the Broncos insider there for KOA and iHeartRadio, also the game day reporter for the Broncos. Ben, love you, brother. Thanks so much for coming on. I, I, I'd like to ask you just one more thing, though, be, before you get out of here we'll yep. go out with, a, with a bold prediction. One, one, one bold prediction for the AFC West in the year of our Lord 2020. Uh, oof, I don't know how bold it is, but um... – you know, I think the Broncos finished second in the division, could be 9-10 wins. Uh, I think they're a lot better football team than people think they are. Uh, I don't think the Raiders are very good. I don't think the Chargers are very good. Uh, so I think it's going to be a down year for this division. Kansas City wins the division, probably 13 wins. Uh, Broncos come in second, about 10, um, and, uh, and make the playoffs for the first time in a few years. Yeah.